Anyways, we are kicking off kind of a, a small collection of talks that we're calling Unknown. Somebody say Unknown. Um, but we're talking about unknown. And, and the reason I, I was thinking about this is because as we enter into a new year, there's so many things that are unknown, aren't there? There are things that we plan for. like we So like end of the year comes, and I don't think people think about New Year's resolutions until after Christmas, right? Like, so it's like, these are my New Year's resolutions. Like when did you come up with that? Like five minutes ago. But this is like my plan for the whole year. All right. Um, and so Christmas ends and you're like so thankful and like, yes, I had all this new stuff. And then you purge out all your old stuff. At least that's what me and Hannah did. Like we threw away boxes of junk after Christmas. We're like, why do we have so much junk? Just got rid of it all. Like literally our front yard was like filled with junk. And then our neighbors got in on it, too. And like we combined our piles of junk and it like took up like almost our whole lot. It was like so much junk. We're like, why do we have all this junk? Anyways, we purged all of our junk and it's like we're entering into a new year and we have these plans, right? We have these resolutions and they're like, I'm going to be just more present, right? That's like, that's like the one, like I'm going to be more present. What does that mean? It means I'm going to like Maybe not be on Instagram so much, but really I'm going to be on it just as much as always. But I'm just going to, I'm going to post about how I'm on it less. <laughs> that's my plan. Like, I'm on it less, but here's a post about how I'm on it less. Anyways, that's besides the point. I kid. If that's your goal, amazing. It's like your New Year's resolution is I'm going to read more books or I'm going to like be whatever it is. Like we have our plans. We have our direction. We have our ideas. But the reality is when it comes to our future it's really unknown, isn't it? Like we have our ideas of what it could look like. We have our plans or a direction or a hope of what our future would look like. But in all reality, our future is, is unknown. We, we don't really know what's going to happen tomorrow or a week from now or a year from now. And so we have our hopes and our dreams. But when it comes down to it, there's so many things that are just unknown. And sometimes that can be overwhelming. I think when we, when we really think about all that, what, that is unknown about our future, whether it's uh, like something small, like what am I going to eat for lunch tomorrow? Like, I don't know. Um, or if it's something big, like what am I going to do with my life? Am I going to go to college? What am I going to study? Am I going to get married? Who am I going to get married to? Is there anybody out there that's going to get married to me? Like, right, you know, all of these things that we think and we go through in our mind and then it's kind of overwhelming a little bit all that is unknown and so what I want to talk about tonight is what to do when you don't know what to do that's going to be the theme of tonight and kind of the overall theme of this series a little bit is what to do when you don't know what to do. If you have a Bible, we're going to be in James chapter 4. The book of James chapter 4, it's in the New Testament towards the end of the Bible. If you have the Bible app and you can't find it, you can do it in alphabetical order. Just find J, and it's the first one, I think, in probably J-A. That would make sense. Is there another one? Uh, no. James is going to be the first one in alphabetical order in your Bible. So there you go, free information for you. <laughs> All right, James chapter 4, and uh, we're jumping into the middle of this thing. James has been talking about all sorts of stuff. We don't need to talk about context necessarily because he gives it to us in the end of the verses that we're going to read. So James chapter 4, beginning in verse 13, he says this, Come now, 
Come now, all right? You who say today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell, and make a profit. Come now. Let's go to such and such a city. You ever been to such and such a city? Heard it's lovely there this time of year. Let's go to such and such a city. We're going to buy. We're going to sell a little bit. And, hey, who knows? We're going to make a profit. Come now. Whereas, verse 14, you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It's even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. Let's pray one more time, then we're going to break this down. Father, we thank you again for your word. We thank you for your love and for your grace. And God, there's so much that's unknown, but God, we thank you that you know. So God, would you give us clarity today, tonight? Help us to walk with you and to trust you. And Lord, help us to live this new year faithful to you, God, walking with you, and that we would grow in our understanding and our relationship with you. God, all of our struggles and weaknesses of the past year or past decade, God, we pray that we'd leave those behind. We'd walk into all the things that you have. Lord, we thank you that we are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Would you help us to walk in that? It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said? Amen. Now, in this text, we are reminded of how little we are actually in control of. It's what he wants to remind us of. He says, come now, you who say, we're going to go to such and such a city, we're going to buy, we're going to sell, we're going to make a profit. And then he says, you you say that, but reality is, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Right? Do you know Jesus actually roasts us a little bit about how little we actually can do and know? Listen to this. This is Matthew chapter uh, 6. Jesus is speaking. He says, which of you by worrying can add a cubit to his stature? (laughs) In other words, you have such little control, you can't even make yourself grow. Like you don't even have control of your own body. Right? He's like, you can't even make yourself grow. You got nothing. Is what Jesus is saying. Like, which of you by worrying, like, if you're like, I just wish I was taller. If I could be taller, I want to be taller, would actually be taller. Nobody. Right? I I, I would wager to say that probably stress shrinks you. I don't know. I'm I'm not. I'm just making this up. I'm not a doctor. (laughs) Sounds right, doesn't it? Like, if stress shrinks you. If you you learn nothing, make sure you tell your parents. Stress, Shrek shrinks you. (laughs) All right, good night, everybody. Thank you. All right. No, no, but Jesus is saying, Jesus is saying that, that you can't, you have so little control that you can't even actually make yourself grow. And James says, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We have no idea. We have, we have our thoughts. We have our plans. We have our hopes. We have our dreams. But reality is we don't know what tomorrow holds. I mean, we, we, assume, we, we assume based upon yesterday and today what we expect tomorrow, what's going to look like. But if something were to happen or change, or we, we don't know. We can't say confidently what will happen tomorrow. We can only assume from what happened yesterday. So what he tells us is rather than saying tomorrow we will do this, instead say if the Lord 
wills. What he's telling us is rather than knowing the future, he wants us to know the will of God. That's the key. He says, rather than us worrying about the future, he says, I want you to know the will of God. Rather than trying to predict or plan or figure out what tomorrow holds, why don't you figure out the will of God? Because if you can figure out the will of God, then you will be able to walk in the things and be confident in where you are. Here's a great question for us to ask. What's the will of God? Right? If, if, if it's not about knowing the future, if it's not about knowing what tomorrow holds, but rather knowing God, I've heard it said it's not about knowing what tomorrow holds, but rather who holds tomorrow, that is God. It, it's better to know him, and if it's, if it's about his will, what's his will? Well, I'm so glad you asked. I'm going to give us three things that I believe is the will of God for our life as we move into 2020, and that's from this text. Number one it's about closeness to Jesus. Closeness to Jesus. Now, there are two certainties about the future. Two guarantees I can tell you about the future. You ready for them? I just said I don't know what the future holds. I'm going to give you two guarantees about the future. Number one, we don't know it. Number two, God knows it. Two certainties about the future. We don't know it. God does. That, that is a reality. So our goal is to seek Jesus and allow him to show us his plans. Sometimes we get worried and focused on the plans and the goals and the situations and the ideas rather than seeking Jesus. In fact, Jesus said, seek first him and his kingdom and all of the other things, life and business and success and relationships and, and all of those things, he says, will be added unto you, not when you seek those things, but rather when you seek Jesus. Seek first him and his kingdom and all those other things will be added unto you. So it's about seeking Jesus. Proximity to Jesus determines whether or not you're in the right place. I think a good question to ask ourselves wherever we go and whatever we do is how close am I to Jesus in this moment? You know, there's some situations and some settings that we find ourselves in, whether it's in relationship with friends or, or in our mind or in our actions, that if we were to just pause and say, how close am I to Jesus in this moment? Now, pause, time out for all you theologians in the room. You guys are thinking right about this moment. Isn't it impossible to be far away from God? You got me. You got me. The, the psalmist would say there's no place that you can go to outrun the presence of God. God is everywhere. Even in the worst places, even in the most hopeless places, even in the most desperate places, even in the most sinful places, God's presence is there. Absolutely. You got me. But, but, can I say that there are places where there are deeper manifestations of his presence, and if there are places where there's deeper manifestations of his presence, there's also places where there is less of his presence. Right? The Bible makes it very clear that when two or more are gathered in his name, in a setting like this, he is there in, his midst, in our midst. It's a promise that God's going to meet his people when we gather in his name. So if there is a deeper place that you can connect with God, that must mean there are places where there's less of a deep connection. You following me? So, again, let me present the question to us. Wherever we go and whatever we do, a question we should ask ourselves is how close am I to Jesus in this moment? 
I wouldn't be surprised if that saved us from doing a lot of stupid things if we asked ourselves that question in certain moments. Before I do this, or before I send that, or before I say that, if I ask my question, how, how, how close am I to Jesus in this moment? Proximity to Jesus determines whether or not you're in the right place. And the goal is following him, and you'll find yourself in the right place. A couple years back, um, we took a team from Cal Rivero to, on a mission trip to New Zealand. Um, and it was actually, it was right around this time of year because we left on December 31st. I think it was about a 13-hour plane ride, if I remember correctly, which is a very long time to be on a plane. 13-hour plane ride. We left uh, December 31st, took off. It's the middle of the night. All of a sudden, the, the what are they called? Flight attendants. Yeah, I almost said stewardess, but I don't think we're allowed to say that anymore. Flight attendant. Um, so there's a flight attendant comes by with, uh, I think, orange juice and champagne, maybe. And they're like, Happy New Year. And we're like, huh? <laughs> hey. We're like, grab the orange juice. And we're like, all confused, and, like fall back asleep. <laughs> and, then, and then, so we took off December 31st, Happy New Year in the sky. We landed on January 2nd. Right, literally, the, I think I have been confused since that moment. <laughs> like, so weird. And then the weirdest part, this is besides the point, has nothing to do with my story. Um, but when we came back, we left on a Thursday night at around midnight. Thursday night around midnight. We ate lunch, we ate dinner that Thursday, like a normal Thursday. Took off, we landed Thursday morning. And then we ate lunch again on Thursday. <laughs> we're, like, we're like, what is happening? Right? Anyways, all, all that to say, we're in New Zealand, and um, we, the, there, there was a guy that we were meeting there. His, he was a pastor. His name was Dave. We called him Uncle Dave. He was the guy. And uh, he, was, he was directing us where we were going to be going to do certain uh, times of ministry. Now, another thing you don't know about New Zealand, maybe you know this, I don't know, is that they drive on the wrong side of the road. And another thing about New Zealand is they have, instead of stop signs and stop lines, they have roundabouts. You guys heard of roundabouts? So confusing. Come on, it's so confusing. But the nice thing is you don't have to stop, but the confusing thing is, is like there's always people happening. Whatever the case. <laughs> always. So I'm driving, right? I'm driving. We're following Uncle Dave, and we're going to wherever we're supposed to be going. And uh, I had, can I tell you, I had no idea where I was. I had no idea what I was doing. I, I, roundabouts, I'm so confused. Where we're going, no idea. What was happening, uh-uh. No idea. But can I tell you, can I tell you that as long as I could see Uncle Dave's car, I was good. Yeah. Right? I didn't need to know where I was going. I didn't need to know which roundabout I needed to get off on. I didn't need to know the street signs. I didn't need to know any of that. I, if I could see Uncle Dave and all the craziness, I knew I was still going in the right direction. Can I say to you that it's about proximity to Jesus, closeness to Jesus and all the chaos and all the roundabouts and all the confusion and all the wrong side of the roads and all the bad advice and all the bad relationships and all the whatever. Let me tell you, it's about closeness to Jesus. If you can be close to him, you will find yourself in the right places. And in this text, James is talking about not just our future as a whole, he talks about that idea, but he also talks about uh, like not just where we'll be 10 years from now tomorrow, but also like literally tomorrow. And what, what, what I think this speaks to is that, that God cares not only about your future as a whole, 
Like where you're going to be 10, 15, 20 years from now, God cares about that. But God also cares about your future as in what's going to happen tomorrow. And all of that, he wants to be close to you and he wants you close to him in all of our tomorrows. So we need to make sure that we're close to Jesus. Number two, about the will of God and about what to do and when we don't know what to do. It's about circle of friends. It's about closeness to Jesus, but it's also about circle of friends. Notice again in verse 15. He says, he says, you know, you say go to such and such a place and do this, buy and sell, make a profit. He says, instead you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. Now it's subtle, but I like that he says we. I like the implication here with this idea of we is that it's not you. It's not I. Because he could have said that, right? He's talking to individuals. He's saying, it's about, you say, go to such and such a place, buy and sell, make a profit. He says, what you should stay and said is, if the Lord wills, I shall live and do this or that. But he says, we. He talks about we because there, there, is, there is power and importance in who you surround yourself with. Who, who, who your friends are. Who you're hanging out with. Who you're getting advice from so much of our plans are hinged around what I do, right? My New Year's resolution is about getting in shape. It's about me. It's about whatever my goals are. And it's about I. What's God's will for my life, my plans, my New Year's resolution? But did you know God cares about who is around you? God cares about who you're surrounding yourself with. Scripture is filled with verses about your friends and relationships. One, God wants you to have friends, right? Some of you are like, amen, please, Jesus, just one. But no, but let me tell you, God wants you to have friends. He, wants you to, he doesn't want you to be alone. And God cares about who your friends are because you become like who you surround yourself with. You become like those people. You laugh at the same things, you talk the same way, you dress the same way, it happens. I'm not trying to hate on that, that's the reality. I dress like the people I hang out with, like that's just what happens. We become like those we surround ourselves with, and so we need to surround ourselves with people that help you walk close to Jesus. Now, this is not a message for you to like get rid of toxic friends. I hate that idea. I hate that idea. Let me tell you one, that is not a Christian idea. The removal of toxic friends is not a Christian idea. Right? We're like, oh, it's so toxic. Like, I just need friends that like make me feel like me. Or whatever, I don't know. We're just going to vent about toxic friends. Do you know that Jesus had Judas in his closest friends? Talk about toxic friends. <laughs> Right? Jesus, like, was rolling with Judas. Like, hey, Jesus, you know that guy's going to, like, betray you and ultimately you're going to die because of Judas? And Jesus is like, yeah, I know. What? Yeah, he's my friend. <laughs> it's, important, it's important that we understand that. But, and, and the reason I bring that up is that when we talk about friendships, I think we should have two types of friends. Two types of friends. You ready for them? Say I'm ready if you're ready for them. All right, two types of friends. One, those who influence you, and two, those you influence. Two types of friends. Those who influence you, whether it's your decision-making, whether it's your 
actions, whether it's your thought process, whether it's even in the simple things like how you dress or what you listen to or things like that. You have friends that influence you and you should have friends that you are the one doing the influencing. That, that, that you have people that you look to and that you ask questions to and you hope that they are going to give you good, godly counsel. Can I tell you that those people are the ones that you want to make sure they're following after Jesus, they're making God their priority because you don't want to get advice from a friend that leads you away from the direction of God. You want the ones that are influencing you, that are walking with Jesus and following Jesus. I make it a goal in my life to have friends that are better at doing life than I am. Because I want to ask those people and surround myself with those people so that I can be better at doing life. And I want to have people in my life that I'm influencing that I'm encouraging to go in the right direction. The problem is, and when toxic friends happens or whatever it is, is when those two things get swapped. That when the people that should, you should be influencing are influencing you and the ones that, that you shouldn't have influence over or whatever, when those things get flipped, that's when problems happen. Relationships are designed for you to help grow you and like like James says to do life with to walk with and, and to grow in your relationship with God with so we go into the unknown what what are we supposed to do I don't know so what do we do closest to Jesus circle of friends number three you guys still with me yeah. we need a commitment to what is right we need a commitment to what is right commitment is not a fun word Right? Commitment, like, with, with New Year's resolutions, commitment is, like, not even a thing. Right? Like, you go into the gym tomorrow. Go into the gym tomorrow. Any gym. It's packed, right? Everybody's on the aerobics. They're, like, they're like getting it. Like, I'm losing this Christmas weight. It's over. You go in by Valentine's Day, it's you and, like, that one other person that's always there. I'm telling you, it happens every year. Like gyms like skyrocket the first month by Valentine's Day. It, there's a gym owner that comes to our church. They always say, Valentine's Day, it's done. Like the, the heart-shaped chocolates, people are over it. I'm not going to the gym anymore. Like it, commitment is it's, it's like we love things that happen quick, but commitment, that's different. So James tells us that we need to have a commitment to what is right. The last verse of the section is interesting, but it focuses on one of the central themes of the book of James. And that is the combination of faith and action. So the book of James, if you were to read it, it's only a couple chapters long. The whole book of James, he's talking about one central idea, is the combination of faith and action. In other words, what you believe affects how you live. That's the central theme of the book of James. What you believe affects how you live. And so he concludes these verses that we just read, referencing that same idea again. What you believe matters, what you do matters. And so he tells us to do what is right. In other words, follow Jesus and do what he asks you to do. How do you know what he's asking you to do? Well, it's through his word, it's through prayer, and it's through godly people. If you want to know what God's asking you to do, it's through reading his word, 
It's through prayer, asking him personally, what do you want me to do? And listening, being sensitive to what he says. And then thirdly, having good godly counsel around you that can encourage you and direct you in the areas of your life that you're confused on. But James in this verse, not only does he bring up what you should do, he also says that what you don't do matters as well. Look at this verse. This is verse 17 again. He says, therefore to him, that's he's speaking to us, who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it's sin. We think of sin most of the time as when we do bad things, correct? Sin is when we do bad things. Yeah, that's sin. Like when, you do, when you do bad things, that is sin. We make mistakes, whatever it is, whether it's intentional, whether it's by accident, we make mistakes. James sort of sheds a new light on this thing. He says to him who knows what to do that's right and doesn't do it, to him it's also sin. That's pretty scary, isn't it? How many times have we been in situations where we know the right thing to do and we don't do it? How many times were we where we're like, I know I'm supposed to go out of my way and help this person, but come on, they probably have somebody else that's on their way to help them, so they got this. James says, to him who knows what to do is, that's right and doesn't do it, to him it is sin. What he's telling us is that we need to have commitment to the right thing, that we're about, what's, about doing what is right. Not just when it's convenient for us, because that's kind of the big excuse we make to not do the right thing, right? So, no, Lord, I don't want to get up at 5 a.m. anymore and go to the gym. Like, I don't, I, this book's boring. I don't want to, I know I had a resolution to read a book, but I'm not, this book's boring. I'm not going to read a book. You can stop that book and pick up a book you like if you want to try that, too. Just read a book. Just a thought. That was my last year's resolution. I read 10 books last year. I'm really proud of myself. That was a pretty week. You guys are like, yeah, reading. Good for you, guy. <laughs> um, anyways, that's enough about me. But what I was saying was this idea that, that, that we want to be committed to what is right, committed to what is right, committed to what God honors, committed to what is good, that is beneficial for you, and it's beneficial for others, and it glorifies God, committed to what is right. But not only commitment to what is right, I'm going to conclude with this idea in worship team, you guys can come up, not only commitment to what is right, right, there's commitment to what's right, doing good things, doing the, the honorable thing, doing the godly thing, that's absolutely important, and that's what James is talking about. But I would also say that it's a commitment to what matters as well. Now, those two things can be synonymous, meaning that they can mean the same thing, doing what is right and doing what matters. But James, sort of the, the big idea or the central sort of picture that he wants us to see in these texts, that, these verses that we just read, is this idea of how short our life is. Do you notice that verse? Let's read it again. Can we go back to verse, I think it was 14 or 15? 14 probably, yeah. He says, you don't know what will happen tomorrow. You have no idea. You can guess, you can assume, you don't know for certain. He says, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. You guys know what a vapor is? Any tea drinkers in the house? Tea drinkers? Come on, come on, come on. Like hot tea, not just sweet tea. I know you guys all drink sweet tea, but like hot tea, hot tea, hot tea. Okay, so if you've ever had hot tea and you've made it yourself, 
you would put the teapot on, right? And you wait, like, if you watch it, you wait forever, right? Because you know a watch pot will never boil. It's a rule. So if you watch, you have to leave the room. You have to go do something else, right? You have to put the tea water on, and then you have to go do something else. And then pretty soon you hear that Yeah. It, you know, it, make, it makes some sort of obnoxious sound that you can hear from, like, an eternity away. You're like, you're like, is that the tea? Like, it goes from like, it goes from like, is that the tea to like, okay, I'm coming. Like, it's so loud. Anyways, you come into the room and you see your tea, your teapot is boiling and you know the, the mist that's coming out of it, the smoke that's coming out of it, the steam that's coming out of it, the vapor that's coming out of it. That's what it is. It's water boiling up, turning into steam and then it's gone. The idea of vapor, it's not the water. The idea of vapor is that mist, that steam that we see. He says, your life is like that steam. Do you know how long that steam lasts? Not long, right? Like you walk into the room, that steam is there and it's gone. It happens so quick. And James wants to give this vivid picture in our mind that our life is so brief. Now, I know you're young and like, you know, you're just... You're young, 2020, it's your year, it's your decade. Like, you guys are going to take over. By the end of the decade, you guys are going to be running the world. I get it. That's what's going to be happening. But can I tell you that, that life goes quick. Life happens fast. And even, even if you live a long, successful, amazing life, like let's say you live like 80 years. Like, whoa, that's a long time, right? I mean, some of you guys might have, like, grandparents that are in their 80s, maybe 90s. Anybody have any grandparents in their hundreds? Hundreds, hundreds, hundreds? No? Okay. Just curious. Do you? Grandma, grandparent in your hundreds? Oh, my gosh. 102, right? So, so even, even if you, you spend all this time right here on earth, you know the Bible talks so much about this word called eternity? Eternity. Have you guys seen the, the infinity sign? You know, it's like the sideways eight. It just like goes on forever and ever and ever and ever. Eternity. What is, what is 70, 80, 100 years in the scheme of eternity, right? It's like a, it's nothing. It's a vapor, right? A hundred years in, in, in the light of eternity, forever and ever. Like, you know, think about this tonight. Think about forever and ever. Like, lay in bed and think about the end of forever and ever. Like, you know, have you ever thought about it? It's like, what? But then it's like, or think about the beginning. Like, think about the beginning of God. He has no beginning. So you like go back and you're like, carry the one. No. Right? It's forever. So what is what is our life in the grand scheme of things? So what's the point of all that? It's not to scare us. It's not to scare us, obviously. Like, oh, my gosh, life's so quick. And what happens is, is, is for some people, we hear that. We hear, we know that, that life is short. And so the best use of my time is to, like, have fun and feel good. Can I tell you that, that I'm all about that? I'm all about having fun and feeling good. Do you know that God is all about you having fun and feeling good? God's all about that. God wants to bless you. But God's more focused on not just about us having fun and feeling good. God's focused on what matters. 
about, about eternal things. And the crazy thing about the way God works and what he's called us into is that we can live our life now in the temporary, in our 70, 80, 100 years. We can live our life now and make an impact on eternity. God commissions us, calls us to participate in the kingdom of heaven, to be a part of what he's doing here and now that's going to last forever and ever, and it's going to matter. And listen, let me tell you right here, right now, your life matters, and you can do something that matters. And I don't just mean like something big, like you need to have a gazillion subscribers on YouTube to matter. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that you can live your day, your life every single day, faithful to God, faithful to your friends, faithful to your family, faithful to your job, faithful to your school. You, you can live your life faithful and you can be making a difference that matters now. Your life matters and how you live now matters. So what do you do when you don't know what to do? We stay close to Jesus. You surround yourself with the right people and you commit to doing what's right and commit to doing what matters. God has a call on your life. God has a plan for your life. God has a will for your life, desires that you were formed, you were created to walk in. God created you to walk in certain things. And now we've got to be committed to him, committed to the right people around us, and committed to doing what is right. And all the unknown and all the confusion and all the I don't know what's next, you can have confidence you can say like, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but I know who's holding tomorrow and I know his plans and I know his purposes and I'm close to him and I'm going to walk with him. I'm going to be faithful to him and I'm going to watch as he gives me hope and security and trust and faith, even in the unknown, because he, because I know the one that knows the unknown. That's what matters. So we're going to be faithful to him, faithful to what's in front of us and live a life that matters.